boot camp, does it? <laughs> I know. We wanted to share with you, though, the things that our children have been learning throughout the, throughout the year. <clears throat> Listen, if we can teach our children how to fight in the battle and that they are in a battle, uh, really, what a joy. I mean, in a real sense, because as you and I know, we are engaged in warfare. We are engaged in a battle, and we want to fight with um, what God has provided, not just what we try to do in our, of our own strength uh, by ourselves. We are looking at this period of Advent, and we're looking at uh, the really the hymn, What Child Is This?, the famous carol that was written in the middle 1800s. Uh, We've sung it in the past, and it, it really the, the question then becomes, who is this child that we worship? <clears throat> what does he become? What does he do for us? How do we engage him in, in our lives? Over the last several weeks, we've looked at characteristics of the child that we've seen. Of course, the child we're referring to as Jesus and based on who the visitors are that come and worship him. The first week we looked at the shepherds. If you'll remember, I, I know you know the story of the shepherds well, how the word of Christ's birth came to the lowest of the social ladder in Jewish society, how they came and worship, how ultimately Christ is the good shepherd who came to seek and save those of us who are lost. Last week we looked at the wise men and the part of the the hymn that said, so bring him incense, gold, and myrrh, come peasant, comma, king, to own him. Come peasant and king, to own him. Peasant, the shepherds, kings, the wise men, although it doesn't really say they're kings. Uh, we looked at those. Thank you for those Facebook posts of, uh, those of uh, those of you who are correcting your family members and making them put the wise men on the other side of the room last week. I, I did catch on those. <laughs> I'm so successful. Uh, let loving hearts enthrone him. Then it goes on to say, raise, raise a song on high. The virgin sings her lullaby. Joy, joy, for Christ is born, the babe, the son of Mary. I want to turn it today to, to not just look at what the child is or who Jesus is, but what he does in us when we meet with him. What occurs in our lives when we come in contact with this child, this Savior? I mean, even in this one verse, this is the third stanza, third verse of the hymn, uh, bring him incense, gold, and myrrh, come peasant, king, to own him, let loving hearts enthrone him, raise a song on high, joy, joy. Those are all responses that we have as a result of meeting Jesus. I want to look at the life of Mary and the cost that she had to pay in order to receive the word that the angel brought her that was read to us earlier in the Advent reading, because there is a cost of Christmas. I, I love doing this every year. I, for those of you who've been around fullness a long time, you know, you, you, you're going to just hang with me. I, I do it almost every year because I just like to see... How much does the 12 days of Christmas cost? Uh, so in case you wondered, 
I get this from the same source every year. It's PNC Wealth Management. They put out a cost of Christmas by the, by the year, by, by the year, every year. By the way, it's gone up 0.6% this year over last year. Uh, the total cost of the 12 days of Christmas uh, as sung to us by our military in halting fashion uh, was um, $34,558.65. If you could purchase all the items in the 12 days of Christmas, are you all following me? If you could purchase all the items in the 12 days of Christmas, it would cost you about $35,000. Any guesses on the, some of you have been around fullness long enough, you'll guess pretty quickly, but because I do this all the time, the most expensive of the 12 days? You would think, let's go through them, every one of them. I just love doing this. A partridge in a pear tree is about $200. Uh, two turtle doves, $375. Three French hens, about $181. Uh, four calling birds, almost $600 for four stinking birds that can call. Five, five, that's supposed to be five gold rings. I did actually correct this this morning. Five God rings would be much more expensive than uh, merely, I don't know, I edited it this morning, but obviously we didn't get the uh, corrected version up there. It'd be real expensive. Uh, six geese laying, $360. Seven Psalm swans are swimming, $13,000. Eight maids milking, $58. Tell me there's not gender discrepancy involved in all of this. Nine ladies dancing, 7,500. Ten lords a-leaping, $5,600. Eleven pipers piping, 2,700. Twelve drummers drumming, 2,900. Yes, it is the seven swans a-swimming that is the most expensive item on the list. I just think a little uh, yellow rubber ducky would be just, uh, just a good bargain. It's fun, but here's the idea. The cost of Christmas is so expensive. I mean, God gave his only son so that we might have life. And it begins with, it begins with Mary in many senses. Mary is the one who's entrusted with God's most precious possession. How does this translate into following Jesus and living the life he's called us to live. From the, from the Christmas pers- uh, narrative, one of the things I want us to see this morning is that when God enters our lives, he generously gives us. He gave us his most precious possession, Jesus. Our response to this gift of grace is to live a life like God has given us, a life of generosity, a life where we can be generous in the world around us. So looking at the life of Mary, just for a minute, what I want to do is look at how we can respond to grace. Listen, let me just say this. As soon as I start talking about generosity or money or giving, um, many people just shut down. They just shut down because they think, oh, here he goes. Here goes the preacher talking about money. Next thing you know, there's going to be a building campaign. He's going to try and sell me a brick. They're going to bring a thermometer in here and try to, try to raise money. For, I, listen, here's my 
thought, I, I believe all of our lives should be lived as lives of worship and response to the gift of grace that God has given us. All of it. And it continues into every single arena of my life. My words, my actions, my deeds, the money, every part that could be in my heart that's not fully his needs to be given to him. And so I, I want to ask you uh, to just open up your hearts just for a minute to receive the truth of God's word about how we respond in generosity. And I, I believe strongly about this. In, in January is our month of fasting and prayer. We're going to ask the congregation, we're going to ask you, our family, to kind of hold off on stuff, to give up something, to fast from something in order to pray and to seek after God. And then in the month of February, which is, you know, in our country, we talk about love and giving. And how can we have hearts that are generous? I really want to, I'm introducing February to you today by talking about the life of Mary. How can we live generous lives? Giving away what God has given to us. So here, here's what Mary, uh, generosity requires commitment. I'm going to read back through the uh, Luke 1 passage that the Staffords read to you earlier and just point out some highlights to you. It requires commitment. Okay, here's Luke 1, verse 26 and following. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. So the angel appears to Mary, who's engaged, and tells her that she's going to become pregnant and give birth to a son, and that God has a plan to save the world and bring his kingdom to earth, and that Mary is the earthly vessel through which this gift will come. She's going to have the privilege of being the mother of the incarnate God. Unbelievable message. Here's what I want you to see. This is not a one-time, like, offer. You know, like, it's not like, hey, Mary, I'm going to give you birth. I'm going to give you, uh, you're going to get pregnant, and you're going to give birth to a son. He's going to save the, the world. Great. Mary's yes to the angel's announcement is this is going to change my life. This is a lifetime commitment. You know, this year we've had the joy of having a new grandchild. And I, you know, I've got plenty of children. I have five. And so I remember what it was like to raise children. And, but dadgummit, you forget that babies, man, they take everything. I mean, you know, you just can't, like, you know, throw them on the couch and leave them uh, kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, they take full-time commitment. 
It, it's not a one-off deal kind of thing. Marriage, yes, is yes to a lifetime. Now, here's the idea. We're called to live generous lives. And it begins not with us, but with the eternal generosity of God. The angel's proclamation, as you know, to the shepherds is glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Where does it start? Glory to God in the highest. And he's going to provide peace to men on whom his favor rests. God is to be worshipped and we're to offer our lives before him as praise and adoration as a response to what he's done. It begins with God and becomes personal to us. She's going to give birth to Jesus. It's a generous quality that's going to require a lifetime commitment. I've said this before, and I do want to reiterate it. We in America, we, we try to piecemeal our lives together so that we have a complete existence. We think if we pull in this area and this area and this area and that area, then we can put them all together and have a complete life. So, for instance, uh, Caleb graduated from Auburn yesterday. Yeah, thanks. You know, Caleb has lived a life as part of a family of faith. He, he's been with the Brookens forever, <laughs> as far as he knows. And um, we try to provide a rounded life for him. You know, we, we did sports, we did church, we did education. Now he's finished college. Now he's going off to get, um, he's got a job, praise God. He's got a job that starts in January, another one off the Brookens payroll, onto their own payroll. Anyway, not that I'm, Merry Christmas to me, right? So... <laughs> Here's the point. If I present to Caleb, okay, look, you got school, you got sports, you got entertainment, you got church, you got family. These are all just components of your life. And together, they're going to give you a full life. I will have failed, my son. Why? Because when you give Jesus lordship of your life, Everything falls within the component of him. There is only one. The difference between one and two is the greatest difference between any two numbers in all of the universe. Going from singular to some sort of plural. There can only be one Lord. There can only be one. God demands 100% of your life. Life. So that when we come in, and we, we give away to him generosity. It is a lifetime commitment. <coughs> Excuse me. And it's such an incredible thing to think about is that, that God, when we come to know him, he pours his presence into our lives. We have this treasure. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. 
So, the idea is that it's a lifetime commitment. And generosity is not something we just do here at Christmas. You know, we, many times we, we think we're going to get generous just for this season where we give gifts away. But the life of a follower of Jesus Christ is this. God has poured his presence out into us, and our response is that we live generous lives all around us. I know I'm beating this a lot, but it's really important. Second is this. Generosity is based on faith, not fear. Faith, not fear. Let's look back at Mary again. The angel comes, gives her the message. She says, uh, I don't, I'm adding the uh, but how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So, I mean, she understands the gist of the angel's message, I think, because her questions kind of show it. The angel says, you're going to become pregnant. You're going to call your son's name salvation. That's the, literal, the meaning of the word. He's going to be the son of God. He will be the Messiah. She understood the components of all of this statement, as overwhelming as it is. And she reflects and she says to him, really probably the most obvious question, how am I going to get pregnant? I mean, I, I, I don't understand the biological aspect here. I've never had sex with a man. How, how am I going to get pregnant? I don't think Mary was disbelieving. Contrast her with um, Zechariah, the, the father. Zechariah's disbelieving position, the, the father of John the Baptist. When the angel, he's in the Holy of Holies ministering, he's in the temple. When the angel comes to him, his more is, uh, the attitude of it is, I don't think so. As a result, he's struck dumb. Mary's is more of a, I think, humble question like, how? How is this gonna, how is this gonna happen? Here's what he says. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going, to, is going to have a child. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. Now, now why is this impossible? Not impossible. Why is this improbable? Elizabeth was old. Mary is young. Elizabeth, who was said to be barren because of her old age, and she has a husband and you know, has been having sex with her husband, is not pregnant. You who have young, not had sex with a man, you're going to get... I believe what's happening here is that God is saying from every extreme, I can do whatever I want to do. I can, I can open up the womb. I can close it. I, can, I, can, I, am, I am the God who creates. I'm the God who sustains why is this important? Because Mary's response leads us to the next, to this idea. She says, how's this going to be? And then the angel says to her, nothing is impossible with God. And he's pointing this out. From Elizabeth to you, nothing is impossible with God. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. 
I've preached this passage before. I, I do want to say this is, this is an awesome passage. Because what, what happens in this passage is that Mary, the angel says to her, when he says nothing is impossible with God, really what he's saying is no word from God is without power. No word from God is without power. And Mary says to him, then may it be to me according to that word. I receive the word of God in power. I receive it. And how do I do it? I receive it in faith. I receive it in faith. You see, most of us, many of us, we don't act or respond out of faith, but we act or respond out of fear. We take a job or don't take a job. We meet someone or don't say hello to someone. We do this or we do that based on, am I going to get hurt? Am I going to lose anything? I am fearful. God has called us to live lives of faith and not of fear. I mean, Mary stood in a fearful position. I mean, think about it. Young, unmarried, engaged, going to have to, it's going to be obvious she's pregnant. According to her, she could be ostracized, she could be cast out, she could be killed, she could be poor, homeless. To say yes to the word of God, her question wasn't, hey, hey, what's going to happen to me? Her question was really, how, how, how is this going to happen? Which is, Many are questions of faith, and, and God wants to say to us, listen, no word from God, no word I give you is without power. And our response should be then what? Be it unto me according to your word. Let me receive the word. You don't have to, you, you don't have to know whether you're faithful or not. You have to, you have to believe in the God who is faithful right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This statement, it, it's all about him. Our belief, it's, it's an act of faith before him where we respond to him. Listen, we, we as followers of Jesus Christ who are faith people, should be walking in faith and not fear more than any other group on the planet. And yet, I believe when it comes to many aspects of our lives, we are driven by fear. In a Christianity Today article entitled Scrooge Lives, it's talking about the church and how evangelicals give. It's just a quote from the article. American Christians' lack of generosity might not be as shocking if it didn't contrast so starkly with their astounding wealth. Committed American Christians, this is those who say their faith is very important to them, and those who attend church at least twice a month earn more than $2.5 trillion every year. Are you with me? I know I'm, I'm doing numbers today. For some of you, numbers aren't your friend. But the idea is that those who say we're faithful, we go to church at least twice a month, we're 
dedicated followers of Jesus Christ, if you combine those in just America, 2.5 trillion every year. On their own, these Christians, just those devoted Christians, would be admitted to the G7, which is the group of the world's seven largest economies. If these Christians gave away 10% of their after-tax earnings, forget the argument, before taxes, after taxes, after-tax earning, they would add another $46 billion to ministry around the world. $46 billion. These are those who are faithful followers of Jesus Christ, who'd say, we go to church twice a month and follow him if just that group gave 10%. Now, some of you may be saying, oh, you know, you're going to get into this tithing legalistic stuff. Listen, God calls us to be generous in every way. Why do we not? Why do we not unlock the resources in our lives? Here, I'm going to tell you, we are so stinking fearful. We're afraid. We make decisions based on fear, not of faith. And God has called us to live faithful lives. Faith is only faith is only an idea until there's a response. Let me just say that again. Faith is only an idea. You see, faith is belief plus me. That's faith. Some of us are calling faith when all we've got is belief. Are you, are you with me? We've got a mental thing where we say, I believe in you. I believe you rose again. Faith is when I respond to that belief, I put myself in the line. When I take the step out, that's when faith happens. Why am I not? Because many times we are, we are fearful. Respond in faith. And by the way, when you do... And just this area of generosity, and I'm not talking just about money, please, don't just, I'm just using that as an example, but I'm talking about living a generous life, giving of yourself, as well as your resource. It's going to result in joy. Over in Luke 1, verse 46, Elizabeth, uh, excuse me, Mary, I, when does she get pregnant? I think she gets pregnant the moment she says, be it unto me according to your word. I, it's, I think when she says, yes to God, then, boom, she's impregnated. She goes down. She's in Nazareth. She's going to travel down to see her, her um, relative Elizabeth, and it's a journey about 90 to 100 miles. And you can imagine, first three months, ladies, some of you have had you know, morning sickness, been pregnant. There, there's no train. There's no car. There's no bus. Donkey or walking. That's how you're getting there. She travels to, to, to see Elizabeth. And when she sees Elizabeth, Elizabeth's baby jumps in her womb, John the Baptist. And Mary responds in this say, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. This is called the Magnificat. The, it's the first words in Latin of this song that Mary sings as a response 
to seeing Elizabeth and the, the pregnancy that she has. When she says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Mary is an uneducated teenager from nowhere. When she says, humble state of the, your servant, she is not underestimating. Every single person in this room, every single person in this room has a higher education level than Mary. Every single person in this room has more resources than Mary. So when you look at yourself and you say, you know what, I'm, how could God ever use me? I am nothing. From a world's point of view, he took a girl who had less than you by far and used her. What was the difference? She said yes. She said yes to the power of God. She didn't let her fear factor overwhelm. She responded in faith. And then what was her response? Oh, what was me? This is going to be terrible. No, she, I believe generosity, when we give, when we give our lives away to the work of God in response to his grace, we have joy. There is joy in our lives. I, I have yet really to meet a follower of Jesus Christ who's been generous, who lives in regret. I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't been so generous. I wish I hadn't given my life away. I wish I hadn't done this. You know, I think generosity results in a, a corresponding joy because it's, it's a response to God's grace in our lives. Here's, here's one way to flip the discussion. I'm not trying to be condemning, but I'm just saying, think about this. If you're lacking joy in your life, could it be that it's uh, because you're lacking generosity? You're lacking faith? That your lack of joy is not because of the bad things that are happening in your life? Because listen, Mary has got a rough road ahead. I mean, rough road. I mean, think about it. She's going to leave... Jerusalem, go back to Nazareth. Then, months later, she's going to have to leave for a census when she's really pregnant, not find a place to stay, give birth. Then they're going to have to flee to Egypt for a couple of years because Herod's trying to kill him. Then she's going to go back to Nazareth. Then, at some point, most likely, Joseph dies. Now, she's got Jesus and family by then. Some point, Jesus goes off, starts doing ministry. They don't know what in the world's going. Oh, you know, at age twelve, they lose him. You know, kind of lose him at Disney World, kind of thing. At the temple during a, I, I mean, it just goes on. And life, moment after moment after moment, is going to be tough. But she, I think, responds here in joy and lives a life of joy all the way to the cross and beyond, because she walks in. What does this have to do with us? Let me just close this down by giving it to you from 2 Corinthians. Here's Paul 
talking about the response of God's gift in our lives. He says this, you will be made rich in every way so that you can, what? Buy you another car. Get you another house. Get bigger presents for the kids. Have one stinking honking retirement. No, he says, you, you're gonna, you'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel. What is their confession of the gospel? It's their generosity. In giving, they're saying, here's our confession, the gospel. We're giving out of grace. That accompanies your confession of the gospel and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What is his indescribable gift? What child is this? That's his indescribable gift. And everything else, as generosity flows, is a response to God's indescribable gift in our lives as we give to others. As we give to the work of the Lord in this place. As we share in mission endeavors. As we respond to the obvious needs of the hurting around us. Giving a cup of water in the name of Jesus. I want to encourage you today. And I purposefully didn't take the offering up after the sermon because I don't want you in any way to feel manipulated. What I, what I desire and the reason we set up our offering every week as we do is because we don't want you to give out of guilt or obligation. We want you to give out of joy and faith and worship. Because when you do, I believe it's a response to... The, you realize, here's the good news. God's indescribable gift has been poured into me just like it was Mary. And now I get to live a life of commitment to him. A life of giving. A life of generosity. I'm asking you to make a commitment to live as a response to Christ by being generous. Walk in faith and not fear and let the joy of God flow out of your life to touch the lives of the people around you. Stand up with me. This isn't exactly a, a sermon that calls for a response, but it may be. It may be that you're saying today, hey, listen, you know what? I am living, I, I am gripped in fear. And I desire, I desire for microphones to work all over the world in peace and harmony. No, I, I, I desire for my life to be, to be lived as a response to the faith in my life, not the fear that presses down upon me. And you'd like somebody to pray with you, to be set free from fear. Fear is a crippling bondage. Let us, let us pray for you. Our ministry teams are going to come down to the front. Maybe you need someone to pray with you for uh, healing. You have sickness in your life. Maybe you've got some really important decisions in your life, and you do want to walk in faith, not fear, and you're asking for God's wisdom and guidance. While I pray, our ministry teams are going to come down, 
Mitch is going to lead us all in a song of response to the Word of God. And then uh, we'll see where God leads from there. Ministry teams, just come down to the front. Lord, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your, your, your Word in our lives. Lord, I pray today that we would receive the Word. Not, not this Word, but just your Word. Because no word from you is without power. And so, Lord, may we respond today by saying, may it be unto me according to your word. May we receive the word in faith. So, Lord, I pray for those this morning right now who need fear lifted off their lives. Lord, just break it in the name of Christ. Lord, I pray for faith to rise up within us and to overwhelm our fear factor. I pray for those who are here today who need healing. God, just touch their lives. Lord, for those who need direction, and I pray, Lord, that we will be a generous people, living generous lives before you. Thank you, Lord. If you're sensing right now that you need prayer, just come to the front. If God is leading you and prayer in any way at all, just come and receive what he wants to do in your heart and your life this morning. Mitch, lead us. I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior.
of people receiving prayer, and I think there are probably some more who want prayer, desire prayer. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you need prayer and would like somebody to pray with you, just come down and sit on the front row. If you want, uh, when one of the teams opens up and you'd like to receive prayer, maybe you're waiting for a specific team, you can just go sit right in front of them. I'm going to dismiss you um, just to bless you and to speak this word over you in grace. And then I'm asking, I'm asking that you go live lives of faith, lives of joy, lives of generosity before the Lord. Uh, not just over the next eight days during this Christmas time, but this is a lifetime commitment of response to Him. Amen? All right, uh, I'll dismiss you. If you need prayer, come to the front. Uh, if you'd like to stay in here, worship for a little while longer. Mitchell, lead us. If you want to fellowship with one another, do so in the foyer. Uh, just stay around and talk with one another as long as you want to. It'll be, it's awesome to fellowship with the family. So, awesome. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or even imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Have a great day in the Lord.
Death is beaten, Christ has risen.